you for joining us on After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or head on over to AmericaOutloud.com where you can click the Listen Live tab for 24-7 talk radio. While you're there, please check out the articles and podcasts, which are updated daily. If you tuned in last Thursday when we had New York Post journalist Heather Robinson on, you might remember we were discussing the 2024 election and we're so fired up. We decided we had to continue that conversation tonight and bring Heather back on. So we're going to start off there, even though we've got a variety of news we want to cover for you guys tonight. But to get things back to the 2024 election, it's looking very interesting. We were discussing who would possibly be running in 2024. I said I believe four people will be running, and that was Ron DeSantis, uh, Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, and Mike Pence. I think those are all pretty much locks. I think uh, Christy Noem might enter the race. I think Ted Cruz might get involved, uh, perhaps some others. It'll be really interesting interesting to see. But what we're really discussing is, is Donald Trump so polarizing, maybe one of these other candidates like um, Governor DeSantis might be better um, off in a general election. I personally believe Donald Trump would most likely win a Republican primary, the way that polls are looking and uh, just the support for him all over the country. But a Republican primary is very different from a general election. So um, I'm just wondering if maybe Governor DeSantis perhaps would get even more votes than what President Donald Trump got. I mean, Joe Biden has been such a disaster. You would think there are millions of Americans looking to look another way. Perhaps there's some that are indoctrinated with their hatred of Donald Trump and would not give him a chance under any circumstances. But perhaps if you take uh, the name Donald Trump out of it, they would vote Republican. I don't know. I think it's an interesting conversation. Uh, Rob, how are you doing tonight? And what are your thoughts? Andrew, I'm doing great. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And your opening, like you said, we had started that discussion about a week ago with Heather Robinson, who's on with us tonight. And, you know, I, I, I don't know where we'll go from here going looking toward 2024. I think that I don't even know if 2022, the election this November, will be a blueprint as to what we can look forward to in 2024. As far as the polls, we know that we can't trust the polls as far as what will happen, who'll have the momentum. We would like to think that Donald Trump would have the momentum because we know that the party loves him. But as you mentioned, he has a tendency, or well, he not a tendency, but he is polarizing. But when you look at everything else that's taking place in the country. If Joe Biden doesn't run, who would the Democrats run? Hillary Clinton, she's just as polarizing. You would also think that whoever they run, you would hope the people would run from that person because Kamala Harris, <laughs> I mean, that's a joke. Gavin Newsom, another joke, considering the failures that he's had with California. But even with that, they can't even have a recall against him. So let's just focus back on the Republicans. You said uh, 
well, I know Chris Christie, who would love to run. He can forget about it. Chris Christie, there's no way in hell people are going to vote for him. Mike Pence, no. So the names that you gave, uh, Nikki Haley, I, I could see that. I could see her throwing her hat in the ring. But I don't think that she would have enough staying power against a Ron DeSantis. I think that he would easily, she would succumb to him. Uh, Mike Pence, Mike Pence is good and I like Mike Pence. He's made a fantastic Secretary of State. But when you're looking at a Ron DeSantis, unless they're going to damage Ron DeSantis, I just don't see Mike Pence. Ted Cruz, can't see Ted Cruz either. Uh, Ted Cruz is known in Texas, but outside of Texas, Ted Cruz isn't that well-known. He did finish second in 2016. Finished second in 2016, but I still don't think that he has the, uh, the pull to get voters on board with him. Uh, I think it would definitely be out front DeSantis, who's a governor of Florida. And depending on how this whole thing with the hurricane goes, I think that he would definitely be a potential candidate if he decided to run. But then you still have Donald Trump. Does he want to? I mean, all signs report to him, no, he's going to run. I want him to run. Uh, But as I've always said, if he does run, he's got to do some things differently. And I'm sure he's aware of that. I know that as far as picking cabinet members, he would definitely uh, do something. He would pick different people. And he himself said that, I think, on Sean Hannity when Sean Hannity interviewed him about a week or so ago, as far as who he would pick to be in his cabinet to support him. And I think that that would be equally important if he did run. He would need to make that announcement probably in advance, as he did when uh, he was talking about the Supreme Court judges who he would pick. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a very good question. Uh, Heather, what are your thoughts? I think that, hey, guys, I, I think that a lot of people feel that we really need a fresh face and approach. I myself am a big fan of former President Trump, as you guys both know, and I think it's a shame that um, the how to characterize it, the unending uh, hit jobs, harassment, uh, propaganda against him that was, it was and remains unrelenting from the left uh, wing establishment and the mostly leftist media of this country, really all but destroyed all the good that he did. I mean, it, it didn't really destroy it. He still managed to be quite a good president despite it. But I see this as a situation where it's almost like it would be a Pyrrhic victory if he were to win. I hate to say it, but I mean, I wouldn't count him out because that's what people did all along, right? I mean, we heard all along Donald Trump couldn't possibly get to the White House. It's impossible. Remember, early on, the Republicans didn't want him. You know, the establishment of this country didn't want him. We have um, a system, you know, it's still the best system there is. I'll take it over any other countries. And yet it's become a huge bloated bureaucracy, tons and tons of money and connections required to get the nomination of either party. So we have mostly people who are lifetime public servants, supposedly public servants, really political careerists, 
um, serving us. And Donald Trump, you know, managed with his tremendous toughness and his enormous personal wealth and tenacity and flair for media to get around this whole process of, forgive my language, ass kissing, backslapping, um, compromising, fundraising, you know, climbing the political ladder for decades, which is what's normally required. And I think because he was an outsider, because he was self-made in another business, he was able to bring a pragmatism and uh, try to do something different. And I think he did a pretty darn good job, including for a lot of people who don't have much representation, typically the working class. But sadly, I think the establishment of both parties, but especially the left, just was deeply threatened by him, you know, hated his guts. And so I think at this point, you know, whether you believe it's because of all the propaganda, as I do, um, and the um, investigations into nothing that turned up anything, which were essentially harassment of him for four years, the Russia collusion hoax, um, now the complete vilification of anyone who associates with him or attempted to find common cause with him, ask questions about the last presidential election. And, you know, I personally don't believe, I don't have a hard time believing Biden may have won, but I do think there was a lot that was fishy in the last election, but we're not allowed to ask questions about that. And, you know, the propaganda has continued. So the point is, I think that he has been, you know, his brand has been, they've, they've done it. I mean, the establishment has pretty much, you know, crapped all over his brand done everything they could, pulled out all the stops, including weaponizing our own institutions of government to vilify the man and harass his family. And I think they've made it so that he can't really, I mean, he can try, but even if he ran again, they've, they've brainwashed so much of the country that I don't think he's viable, you know, as the next president, you know? So I think we do need to set our sights on somebody else. And I think it's kind of a shame, but you know, that's what I think. And I guess, you know, these other people you mentioned, Andrew, they're good people. Um, you know, DeSantis is doing good work and down in Florida. And we know Mike Pence had a long distinguished career, you know, even before he was vice president. And I, you know, I think Ted Cruz is a fine man and he's very conservative, maybe I think a little too much for the country um, to get elected. But, you know, it would, it'll be interesting to see. I guess I'd put my money on DeSantis if I had to say. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I happened to see an article in the Daily Mail earlier this week that actually uh, was alluding to the fact that Ron DeSantis does not like President Trump is what they were claiming. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, one of uh, DeSantis' old staffers apparently said that DeSantis bashed Donald Trump all the time. So uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but that'll be interesting to see um, if that plays out. But all these politicians are the same. They all want to be president of the United States. That's the top rung on the ladder. They all want to get there. Um, I know Rob said before that he hopes that whatever the Republicans do, we see a unified branch going into the election. But unfortunately, I just don't see that happening because um, Joe Biden, if he runs again in particular, he is very, very vulnerable. And a lot of politicians are going to see this as their chance to perhaps be uh, president of the United States. You're right. I think that a lot of uh, candidates on the right, they see the blood, they smell blood in the water, 
And what better way to uh, assert yourself now than to kick a man when he's down? But I think the other thing that we have to realize is that the the friction that they're saying that's between Trump and DeSantis, it could just be manufactured mm-hmm. by the media. Maybe someone did say something in, in DeSantis' camp about Trump. Maybe that person doesn't like Trump, but that doesn't mean that DeSantis doesn't like Trump. And even if what we have to realize is that even if there is some friction between them, I mean, there's been friction between Trump and a lot of Republicans. Look at Carrie Lake, who's the who's running for governor in Arizona. She had said some things about Trump that weren't, you know, people thought, wow, but they made up and he supported her. Look at the candidate who beat Liz Cheney the same way. A lot of them had said things about Trump and a lot of them said things about Trump and Trump first came out because they didn't understand Trump. And I think that's the that's where we are now. There are a lot of people that don't necessarily understand the Trump phenom, the Trump agenda, the Trump, the man. Uh, We're used to these polished politicians who are going to come out and tell us what they're going to do. They're going to lie. We know that they're lying. As you said, Andrew, they're all politicians. Whereas Trump comes out and he doesn't bite his tongue and he tells you exactly where he's from and what he's going to do. And he does it and he doesn't waver. He doesn't apologize. It's like, this is it. Nope, I made the decision and I'm going to move forward with it. And to me, I found that refreshing. Now, I do wish at times that sometimes I wish he wouldn't say, he would just like, like stop talking, just stop there. But if he were to do that, he would be the regular politician. Uh, but so he doesn't do it. He tells you exactly, this is what I am about. And this is what I'm going to do. And it's hard for us to take that because we're not used to it. We're not used to someone being up in your face. And you look throughout history, a lot of the uh, the individuals who were president, they were polished and they told us one thing and they whined and they dined us with our ears. They whined and dined our ears and we fell for it. And then when they didn't do it, we thought they were going to do, we would get mad, but yet still we would support them. Whereas with Trump, it doesn't matter if we're mad at him. He's still going to stick with his guns and say, no, this is what's best. This is what I'm going to do. Now, the whole COVID thing, I mean, it was so evident that it seems as though they had him tied because it's like he, he wanted to say, I think, you know, screw you, Fauci. I'm going to do things my way. But he's like, well, OK, they said shut things down. Let, let's shut it down. I don't want to do it, but we're going to. But we got to get things back open. As soon as he shut things, as soon as he shut it down, he's like, okay, but we've got to open things back up. So a lot of people will point to, you know, the handling of COVID as, you know, oh, well, you know, he shouldn't have done that. He should have stuck with his guns. And then and there are some other things. But again, uh, what I think what we're seeing now is the media is definitely, they're tired of him in a way, and they want us to think that. Uh, if he runs, he's not going to get it because of because we say he's not going to. But we don't know of that hidden Trump vote. Is it strong enough to get him to elect him again? Yeah, that'll be interesting. We can continue this discussion in the second half. Uh, Heather had incredible foresight because I hadn't even considered this hurricane that's about to hit Florida. And you just watch the Democrats are going to be looking to jump all over Ron DeSantis on um, whatever happens down there in Florida and perhaps the uh, devastation and the cleanup. 
uh, they will definitely politicize it as much as they can. And if it's an opportunity to be able to make him look bad, uh, they will seize on it because they've been looking for something to attack DeSantis on. And uh, something else to keep in mind is President Donald Trump is uh, currently being investigated by New York. He's being investigated by the FBI. There's always a chance one of these witch hunts could catch up to him and he could be charged with a crime. And uh, that could change perhaps his chances of even being able to run. You're tuned into After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio's America Out Loud channel Monday through Friday at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, or 6 p.m. on the West Coast. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew and special guest, New York Post journalist Heather Robinson. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. All right. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvinone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. So just going back to what you were saying, Andrew, about Trump and what's happening with the investigations that are taking place, I was listening to Alan Dershowitz the other night. Again, this is some of the things that the media does not want us to know and that they won't report on, is that they can indict Trump all they want to. That doesn't keep him from running for the president. (laughs) They can even put him in jail. That doesn't keep him from running from the president. There's nothing in the Constitution that says he can't run for the president. And I think that... What's happening now is that the media is probably trying to uh, look into the future to see how much power are they actually giving him by uh, if they were to indict him. Because we see right now, even Bill Barr, whom I don't care for, came out and said the whole Letitia James uh, charge that she's making is political. It's a political hit job. Because why would she include his children on his finances? You know, it's a hit job. And I explained that on one of our shows as far as overestimating your uh, property value when you go in for either for a commercial loan, house loan, or what have you, you're going to say, this is what I think the value of the property is. 
to the best of my knowledge. We all do it. People all, not we all, but people who have uh, properties, if they're trying to get collateral on or get a loan, they're going to give the value that they think that it is. But it is up to the lending institution to go out and get an independent appraiser to appraise the property and to say, okay, this is how much we say that your property value is. The same thing with your finances. How much are you worth? Well, I'm worth this because this particular item here is worth X amount of dollars. So what she's doing, again, she's poisoning the minds of people and having them to think that something nefarious has taken place because a lot of people don't understand finances when it comes to real estate and getting loans and whatnot. But and to me, that's really sad because as a functioning media, you would think that they would explain that to the viewers and they would say, okay, you got to look at this. This is actually what's happening, and this is what is actually done, but they won't do it because they have a vested interest to keep a thing going. They want clicks. They want ratings. So they want to keep everyone on this cliffhanger with, oh, he may or he may not. Did he or didn't he? Whereas everything that they have brought up against him has, for the most part, just like gone by the wayside, and rightfully so. But what I find equally interesting is that a lot of the judges that are allowing a lot of these lawsuits to go forward or to move forward, when they have the discretion to say, you know, I'm going to dismiss this without prejudice or with prejudice, because this may, I'm going to dismiss it with prejudice so that it can't be brought up again, knowing that what's happening as a political play, that there's, you can file a lawsuit against anyone. So they're allowing this to take place. In some instances, some of these judges feel that, hey, they'll, they might be able to get a jury that will convict him, depending on where the case is brought. And that's wrong. This shouldn't be happening. And you would think again, that if they're going to bring forth the law, these lawsuits, and these judges are going to go along with it, that the media would explain to voters, this is what's happening. And you can go here, and there's a likelihood that he might be found guilty because of that particular jury pool, but they won't explain it. They'll wait until the damage has been done, and then they'll like, okay, 2020 is hindsight is 2020. Then they'll go back in the past and try to explain it. And that's what I don't like about our media, as opposed to explaining it now. Why aren't they out front now? more of them saying what Letitia James is doing is a political hit job. And why is she using her office to go against someone? Why is Merrick Garland using his office? Because it's wrong. It doesn't matter how you look at it. It can't be justified. You cannot tell me, looking at the law, that what Merrick Garland is doing, the whole thing with the raid on Mar-a-Lago, okay, a political hit job. Because would you have done that to any other sitting president or a former president? We are hearing right now that Barack Obama has a lot of classified information stored somewhere in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago, which is like on fire every night with all the criminal activity. No one is making a big deal out of that. And people say, well, you know, he said that he can just speak it and he can declassify these documents. Well, that's never been challenged. Okay. No one has ever challenged that. So it would have to go through the courts for them to make the decision. So you have some who say, well, that's not how we've done it before in the past. Okay, but has that been challenged? Does, the, does it say in the records that you can't do it? It just says that a president can declassify whatever he wants to declassify. Okay, but to go through all this machination and say, well, he didn't take this step. He didn't follow that step. And this could be a threat to the country. Well, for one, 
what, where is the threat? Where, where is the threat? Okay, let's say that he didn't follow the process, but where is the God honest threat? That's what the media should be bringing forth as opposed to saying, oh, well, no, he violated this, he violated that, but where is the immediate threat? You guys waited, or they waited for 18 months to come after these documents. Well, we didn't know it. Well, we this. Okay, well, let's look at the NRA, I mean, the NAR, NAR. Why did they wait so long? And they're the ones who packed up the boxes. And why did they tell him to put the boxes in a storage and do this and do that? See, it's all smoke screens and mirrors. But the media will not break that down because in doing so, blame is put on Merrick Garland. Blame is put on the FBI, Christopher Ray. We now know that there are whistleblowers that are involved in this. And they're saying, well, you know, they told us not to look at this and to look at that. Why isn't that the story? The left love looking at whistleblowers. Why isn't it out there? So you have all the stuff that's there that they want us to focus on and say, well, you know, maybe he may not. He probably can't be the president. Well, he can be in jail. He can still be the president. But that's not the most important thing right now. The most important thing right now is crime. Crime that has beset every major city in the United States. It's all over. But they don't want to talk about that because now they want to bring back up Jan 6. We're going to have another Jan 6. Jan 6 is coming back up. They had a hearing. They're getting ready to have a hearing. Oh, actually, they had. We'll see. I, I, I missed it. I it missed act, it. They had it, it last it, night. I missed it. No, nope, nope. It got delayed because of the hurricane. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, oh, so I did miss it. So I didn't miss it. Yes, yes. So you didn't miss anything. It's uh, still going to happen, but at a later date. You know, I say they're going to make January 6th the national holiday. <laughs> it's their favorite day. It's the day conservatives finally were bad. Well, you know, I thought I missed it. Uh, because I'm like, I'm not going to pay any attention to it, but they delayed it. So I guess, and they were saying, oh, and the information that we have is going to be riveting. And you thought you heard something. Just wait until you hear this. It's the same stuff that they're going to manufacture. What I want to hear about is what are they going to do about the crime? What are you going to do about it? I think, Heather, you mentioned to us uh, when we were having during the pre-show of a woman in New York City. And I saw the video just, I think, yeah. early, like last week or earlier this week. This woman was beat to a pulp. Oh, I mean, it's on camera. And I'm thinking. There in the head. And sure enough, a mentally ill person who'd been released again and again from hospitals. I mean, the same kind of thing, same kind of individual who pushed Kendra Webdale 25 years ago. Another pushed Michelle Go last January. You know, this is a pattern. These mentally ill people, mentally ill men, mostly, who are not being treated. And as one politician I interviewed for an article, I, which is actually was held for the week, it'll be coming out this Sunday, um, told me, he said, you know, we've turned the streets into mental institutions and not good ones because people are, are roaming around untreated. It is so unacceptable, such a travesty and a twisted, sick, uh, crime on the part of these leftists. I mean, they want to make it about civil liberties, you know, the civil liberties of people who are literally out of their minds and have been repeatedly violent, who, you know, I and I say this not to be insensitive because I've loved people who were mentally ill. I know it's a nightmare. 
So this isn't against the mentally ill, but the reality is you cannot let someone who's out of their mind with psychosis make the determination as to whether or not he would like to take medication. But that's what the ACLU would have us do. And we see the consequences. And the consequences have been devastating, truly devastating. And I sometimes I, I wonder if we should always just ascribe this to the mentally ill, because I think that there are a lot of people that are out there that aren't mentally ill. We well, do that's know true that. Too. Yes, that's true. right. Because we, we, we saw that. Right. That mm-hmm. since Biden has taken office, a lot of people, especially the wokesters, have called or leaned on mental illness whenever they were unable to perform. And we saw this in sports. Well, I was having a mental problem and, and mental this and mental, mental illness does exist. My oh, cousin yeah. suffers from mental illness and I hear her, her story and I think my mic is trying to mess up on me, but to the degree that they're blaming everything on mental illness. And you see these people that are committing crime after crime, after crime, you see these, I think it was in Chicago, no, California, Pennsylvania actually had a year uh, stomping ground whereby these kids went inside of a Huawei and just took over and just like had a, a, a fill day. Now, were all of those kids suffering from mental illness? No, but yeah, I think we're talking about different things. I mean, of course, there's violent criminals who are in command of their senses and, you know, they may not be too uh, well adjusted, but they, they know enough to know that beating somebody and stealing is wrong. And there, yeah, and then there are people who are psychotics who are having hallucinations and in a state of full-blown psychosis. And then, you know, there is a phenomenon whereby some of those people, they think they're being persecuted in some cases. They actually believe they're, they're literally out of their minds, like this man who... And I'm not saying, you know, you could say it's evil also, and that if they were very kind, gentle people, maybe their mental illness wouldn't manifest that way. Who knows? That's all kind of speculation, I think. It's beyond my pay grade, you know, to determine, I guess that's why you have trials to determine whether somebody is guilty by reason of insanity or guilty. However, there is such a thing as untreated mental illness and this, these people, like the, the, the man, Marshall Simon was his name, who pushed Michelle Goh, the young rising star uh, at Deloitte, who was pushed in front of a subway train last January. That man had been in and out, in and out of mental institutions his whole life. He, he kept getting, you know, repeatedly being violent and getting released. Same with Andrew Goldstein, who killed Kendra Webdale 25 years ago. So there are these individuals who have a long history of admission to psych wards for violence who are hallucinatory, psychotic, you know, believe that they're, you know, they're seeing purple monsters coming out of the wall. I mean, that's just an example I made up. But my point is these people are psychotic in some cases, and it's been established that they are. But the, the mental health system is so inadequate. And the treatment is so inadequate that they've been, you know, after being violent many, many times, they just keep getting released. And they shouldn't be. They should not be getting released. Now, I know that that people have rights and you can't just lock up everybody, you know, forever who somebody says is mentally ill. 
but I'm talking about people who have a long track record of violence and psychosis. And, you know, the pendulum has swung, swung so far that, you know, these people don't belong roaming around. They're, you know, they're criminally insane. And, you know, our society has just become so lax. The standard for involuntary commitment is so high. I'll tell you guys, you know, if it were up to me, I'll tell you what, instead of sending trillions of dollars overseas for wars and I mean, I would revolutionize the mental health system in this country, you know, if I were president. I think we need, you know, more mental institutions, make them as humane as you can, not the nightmare places where people were tossed hundreds of years ago and chained to a wall, but decent places where there are libraries and gardens and a well-staffed facility and put people there for good who are violent and try to help them but do not have them roaming around the streets. The streets are not mental institutions. And we have a real problem in this country. Yeah, we really do, uh, Heather. And that is really well said. And there's such a vast spectrum of uh, mental illness. And that's true. Yes. Um, on the street, especially um, if you look at like things like addiction, if someone's a heroin addict and willing to steal from their own parents, um, that's almost like a form of mental illness. And a lot of these criminals are walking the streets, uh, people who are, are not thinking in their right state of mind. And uh, in a lot of these cities like New York, instead of keeping these people in jail and perhaps sending them out and rehabbing them and uh, helping them become better, they're just released back onto the street to uh, commit more crimes. And uh, yeah, that's a big part of the problem. And I completely agree. The uh, mental, in mental institutions uh, would help out a great deal, um, especially with a lot of these people with mental illnesses ending up on the street and homeless in states like California and New York. Yeah, I mean, I, I do understand that we used to have, uh, you know, problems on the other end where you'd have a lot of involuntary commitment of people who were perceived as a problem, you know, to their families, let's say, or to who were different, who were, um, you know, I mean, I but I'm talking about a very specific subset of people who are psychotic and repeatedly violent. Um, I, I don't think that you can have those people mixing around untreated in society. I think it's just a very misguided idea, maybe that started as a reaction to the excessive kind of institutionalization of a lot of people who were not violent, who were, you know, had milder or more moderate forms of mental illness. And you're right, Andrew. I mean, I do know enough to know there's a big, big range, but I'm talking about people at the, at the extreme end who are not only psychotic, but violent throughout their lives many, many times. And, you know, the other ridiculous thing about it is the idea that it's somehow respectful of them to let them run wild. I mean, it's really not true. I mean, someone who's that sick, you know, I mean, it, it's like saying uh, if somebody has, you know, a severe physical condition, the humane thing is to just not give them treatment because, uh, you know, I mean, of course, that's a little different. I guess if a person is of sound mind and chooses not to get treatment, then that should be their right. But, you know, I just think if you're talking about someone who is not of sound mind, who is violent and hurting others, those two things together, you just, 
you cannot just, you know, in the name of respect for that person, you can't, that's, it's not even respectful of that. I mean, to just leave them to run amok. And I think we have, yeah, we have a ridiculous situation now. And then, yes, like you said, Rob, you have a lot of violent crime by the non-mentally ill people who, you know, or who, you know, basically know what they're doing. And we have them given a revolving door with, uh, you know, bail reform and criminal justice reform, which to my way of thinking, you know, that may be appropriate when you're talking about nonviolent offenders, you're talking about somebody who shoplifts or something, you know, but, you know, you're in a different category when you talk about violence. That's not the place to, you know, conduct a social justice experiment. You know, it's like you can't, once somebody's that far gone, you can't just start giving them a pass, you know, and thinking that that's helpful to anybody. And that's what we have, you know, with these leftist policies. They're not helping anybody. Yeah, very well said. And uh, my grandma's sister, Judy, uh, my Aunt Judy, um, she spent uh, her whole adult life in a mental institution. She was very violent. Um, when my mom and her sister were kids, she sent pictures of them to my grandma, all cut up with scissors, like making a threat. Like she was just a whacked out woman. And uh, yeah, it was for the best that she got institutionalized because she was dangerous and a threat to even her own family. And it's very, oh, it's, it's very... So yeah, it's very sad. These people have to end up there. I know uh, my grandma and uh, her brother kept in contact with her until she passed away. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, but that but is sad, Andrew, and I don't believe in I think we should invest in mental institutions and make, mm -hmm. truly believe we should make them as humane and decent as they can be. I think that's very important. Also, I think it would take a lot of money and a huge commitment but I think it would be money well spent and much more well spent than a lot of what we spend on in this country, in my humble opinion, including, you know, money for able-bodied young people. I, I mean, I'm very sorry people have debt or whatever from college, which is a privilege, not a right to go to college and, you know, to even be able to get a loan to do that. I mean, I don't really think young, healthy, able-bodied, sane people are charity cases who need to be bailed out of debt, you know, but I mean, I think people who are severely mentally ill, they need a lot, you know, they need a lot because they can't take care of themselves and our society fails. Yeah, well said. If you're looking for better sleep, focus and energy, check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator of nutritional supplements for cell health. Healthy cell vitamins work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Absorb a healthier lifestyle with Healthy Cell's pill-free vitamins. You can go to HealthyCell.com and it costs nothing to go there, check out all the great products, read the reviews, and see if it's right for you. And for the first time ever, you can save 25% off with the code OUTLOUD. So head on over to HealthyCell.com and use the code OUTLOUD. And it'll help yourself and it'll help us and support independent media. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew and journalist Heather Robinson. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, 
Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. So we're going to end the show talking about crime and violence again, because I think that the election is coming up election, November. We've got to make it about crime. I think Republicans have got to pivot. They have got to hit hard on it. They have all the videos in every city, every candidate in the different locations. Uh, I think crime is a huge problem. And I think that if they focus in on it and just break it down to people, as I've said before, their lives depend is dependent upon it. They can't be afraid to go there. They can't be afraid to bring it up. What else is there? The Democrats know that they're afraid of it. The Democrats are the ones who wanted to defund the police. And now they're saying that it's Republicans. And we said that this was going to happen. We and said this when they, they were talking about it. They didn't say it. And the right. defund didn't mean defund. It, it meant something it else. Meant. Right. And, and we have them on video. I'm like, so what are Republicans waiting on? Just run the video, show the video, show Barack Obama, show Barack Obama saying we need to reimagine the police. Show Joe Biden talking about defund the police. Show Kamala Harris saying we need to defund the police and the police are bad and we're going to help these other people get out of jail. They have got to show it. Yeah. And they don't you know, have to talk it. Just make the make the ads and put it there. There is an ad. Let me just say this, Heather. There is an ad that I saw the other day that Hillary Clinton, I don't know if you guys saw Hillary Clinton. She was coming out and she was uh, attacking Trump for his latest rally. And she was saying, oh, and I can't believe he was coming out. And I'm thinking all these young people, they were holding their hands up like Hitler. And I'm like, what kind of man could have so much anger in his heart? And a YouTuber took her words and put them behind a video of Joe Biden raising his hand up with a mean expression and they had her saying what kind of man would do this and they had joe biden's picture i'm like bam there you go a great idea because they are the party of violence and criminal activities all these individuals that we've been talking about be they mental be they psychotic or just plain career criminals they are supported by the democrats you have da's that want them out you look at daryl brooks You look at all these folks that are in and out of jail that Democrats are allowing these DAs to let them out. Look at Shannon Brandt, who killed the 18-year-old kid. The Democrats, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want you to talk about it. They want to pretend as if though it didn't happen. But this 18-year-old kid lost his life 
for nothing. Mm. And this, this is really unfortunate. But this is the kind of crime we're talking about. You look at Chicago. Look at what's happening there. It's all around us. So when you have a candidate or a politician, like they have in Italy, who won her election, what does the left say? Oh, she's a right extremist. She's, she's Hitler. She's this, and she's a white supremacist, Mussolini. and she's this. And it's like Mussolini. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Simply because she, she believes in the family institution, simply because she believes that we need to protect our children, now you guys want to make it seem as if though she's some right, right-wing extremist? And the media goes along with it. And maybe this is they want the rise of Donald Trump. I'm like, wait. That is the reason why I said someone has to come out and clearly articulate this is who we are. We're not like that. Republicans seem to be so bashful when it comes time to say, no, that's not us. This is who we are. Donald Trump was never like that. He would get up in their face and say, no, uh-uh, I am not like it. It is you guys. You guys are the racist. But Republicans who just stand by. Heather, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the woman who won her election in Italy? Well, I think she sounds good, Rob. I think she sounds, you know, like a, a solid uh, conservative family values pro-business woman. And I, uh, I don't know a lot about her. I just read about her today. She's very, uh, certainly very presentable, attractive lady and, and, you know, gutsy. And I've always been a big fan of Italy in general. You know, I just, I, I think they have a great culture. And I think that um, apparently there's been a lot of, uh, you know, very, a lot of, you know, business has really been in a slump there. And she made that a big part of her, uh, her uh, platform. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wish her luck. She's, she's quite conservative, socially conservative, I understand, you know, more so than, for instance, I would be, she's uh, not for gay marriage. And, you know, I mean, she's conservative, but, you know, I think that that's the way some people feel. And I think that uh, as long as, um, you know, she's basically protecting people's, you know, very basic rights. I mean, of course, some people would argue that that's not protecting rights and that that's too conservative. But, you know, I mean, she'll be part of a coalition. There's a lot of voices in Italy. And I think they definitely need somebody who's, you know, who's pro-business. And I, I think she also is... Um, you know, from what I gather, a nationalist, I think that's part of the leftist's concern. You know, there's this big push, as we know, to um, take the side of the Ukrainians in the Russia-Ukraine war. Um, tremendous sympathy for them, but also this idea that uh, uh, Russia shouldn't be re- taking this this territory that was historically part of the Russian Empire, et cetera. And, um, you know, I think even if, if you do believe that, that that was not the right thing for Putin to be doing, and I feel that way too, I think that, you know, some people feel that this is really not our war. I'm one of those people. And I think that in general, people who, um, how can I put this? Uh, people who aren't on board a globalist kind of agenda feel that the idea that, that some of what we're getting fed here, even though we may disagree with Putin and see this see this as a brutal invasion, which it was, 
that we still, this idea that there was absolutely zero provocation of any kind, you know, we don't quite buy that. And anyway, the reason I'm saying all this is I've read some commentary today that some people are worried that she being uh, more nationalistic, conservative kind of, you know, might be more on the side of politicians in Europe, people like Viktor Orban in Hungary, um, uh, uh, just the, the Trump wing of, of the Republicans here in the United States who feel that, you know, that this is, that this, that this may be wrong of Putin and all that, but that we haven't been so totally right in kind of pushing this global agenda that everybody has to be in NATO and it has to expand and, you know, it has to, you know, be enforced with threat of missiles and violence. And we have to spread the gospel of democracy to all these other countries that have their own strong nationalist histories and traditions. You know, I think that, uh, you know, we conservatives, some of us, I should speak for myself, but I think there are others who are pro-America. <coughs> we feel like, you know, we don't like Putin's brutality, but, you know, we also understand that we wouldn't want somebody coming to this part of the world telling us how to deal with Texas or Cuba or something right next to our country. And that, you know, we should, as the strong nation, be more respectful of other parts of the world and the way they want to do things. So I think a lot of people fear that she's going to be more of a nationalist than a globalist. And I'll tell you what, that's fine with me if she is, you know, so. You're right, because they, and a lot, another thing that they don't like about her, Georgia Maloney, is that uh, Silvio Barscaloni, who is a former prime minister of Italy, supports her. And they're also saying that she's similar to the Brazil president, Jar Bolsonaro. These are people that the left, they don't like because these are independent thinkers and they're nationalists. They want to support their country. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. The problem we have here is that the left, the Democrats want to destroy everything about America. They want open borders. They want everyone coming in. A majority of these people coming in, they don't care anything about the country. But yet and still, we want the menace. Like, what kind of country are you if you don't have borders? So they're right. now trying to get the people, young millennials, to think that, wait a minute, we don't belong here. This country should be open for every everybody. But you right. can say that of any place. But right. a country has borders. Right. We should at once be not enforcing our borders and we should be spreading. Even though we have all these problems internally, we should be on this global crusade to spread democracy and um, international courts and NATO membership all over the world, you know, as opposed to improving our own economy and security and wealth, wealth of our in health and wealth of our own people. It's like, you know, this idea that we need to spend trillions of dollars exporting our ideas and trying to change other countries and fix them as opposed to focusing at home and trying to fix and help ourselves. And so, you know, I think there's a philosophical connection, you know, among people who are more, you know, more nationalistic here and, you know, who are able to have more boundaries, boundaries in terms of wanting our own country to have strong boundaries and wanting to respect the boundaries of other countries, you know, and, um, 
that they have their own ways of doing things. And it may not really strengthen our country to spread ourselves so thin going around the world trying to fix all these other problems that we, let's face it, have not been successful trying to do in the last several wars we've been pulled into. So anyway, I mean, you know, I think it sounds like she's a strong Italian nationalist and she cares about her country and I wish her luck, the best luck. Yeah, because we know that our media is going to attack her <laughs> every way possible, the same way they're attacking the candidates here that would potentially run for presidency for the for the president in 2024. And as we just to bring this full circle, when we opened up the show, we we're talking about the potential candidates. Uh, and by no means, even if Trump doesn't run, should anyone think that if, let's say, a Ron DeSantis run or Nikki Haley or uh, Mike Pence, God forbid, I don't want him to run, or uh, the former Mike Pompeo, that is going to be a cakewalk for them for them because it's not going to be. They are going to demonize them as well. And they're going to say that they're white nationals and they're going to say that they're evil people. Even if it were a woman, Nikki Haley, they're going to say that she's evil because you can't be a successful woman unless you're a woman on the left. All conservative women it does not matter. And I just want to make a correction here, a statement that I made during one of our shows earlier this week. And I was saying that the the left enjoys preying on the weakest amongst us, which are the women. I want to make the correction because it's not just all women, because they don't want to prey on conservative women because they know that conservative women are strong and independent. But it is some of the women on the left that they want to prey on. And they want to say that, hey, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. But as I've said before, go out and vote because your life is dependent upon it with everything that's going on. Your vote is very important. Choose crime, violence, or you can choose law and order. Because it seems as if though right now, the Democrats, all of their candidates, they shy away. They don't want to talk about their failed policies. They don't want to talk about what Joe Biden has done. You look at John, this Fetterman guy in Pennsylvania, and him wanting to release criminals on the streets. And why would you want that? You look at the, the DA in Pennsylvania. It's like these people, it's like for them, like, and, and, and keep voting for us. Keep, yeah, we're going to do this and keep voting for us. I'm thinking like, how can the polls show that these radicals are ahead? It's just, it's impossible. It's impossible. What do you think, Heather? I think that people have been very brainwashed by the media. And I also think, you know, unfortunately that I think the, the Roe v. Wade issue is going to be a biggie in bringing out women voters, as you guys know. I thought your point was great, Rob, when you said, you know, in order to be pro-choice, you first got to be alive. And, you know, I would expound on that and say that choice is about more than just abortion. You know, it's about the choice as a woman to go running in the morning or the evening, to take the subway, to not be constantly having to look over your shoulder in fear. And to me, that's the first, you know, um, obligation of government. That is the first, you know, your right to just exist, you know, should be the first right you're concerned about before your right to an abortion, okay? I mean, I, I am pro-choice. It, you know, I don't, I'm not against some common sense regulations, however, 
And I think that's all that the overturn of Roe v. Wade really is going to entail, you know, especially in the more liberal states. I mean, there's literally no one that I'm aware of arguing that abortion should be illegal if there is a bona fide medical emergency, um, you know, or a serious something, you know, heaven forbid, seriously wrong um, with the fetus, you know, and I mean, I think for the most part in liberal states, this really won't change a thing, you know, for women. And in some states, it'll mean if you, you feel you need to do it, you have to do it early. But it's not a ban, you know, and I don't think it will affect 99.9% of women, you know, but they believe that, you know, they're very spooked by this. And, um, you know, and I mean, to some degree, I don't dismiss the concern. I do understand as a woman that there's some anxiety around this. And, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, I do think it will bring some women out to vote. And I think it's unfortunate, you know, for the conservatives. But I, I do think that, um, you know, I think that the priority should be, you know, life itself, I think, uh, life and, and, you know, having enough to eat and a decent, you know, uh, living and for you and your family should should be your number one um, concern, you know, as a woman or a man. And I'm, you know, I'm hoping that 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 common sense carries the day, but uh, I think it's going to be close in November. I do. It'll be interesting to see. Thank you so much, Heather, for joining us once again. Heather Robinson, New York Post journalist. Thank you all for taking the time and joining us on After Dark with Rob and Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you stream. Please like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and you can go to America outloud.com we'll see you next time and remember stand for something or fall for nothing